my privilege to introduce Maddie to you today. Does Maddie need an introduction? Only for a few, few unfortunate souls who haven't met her yet. Maddie, come on up. Maddie's going to be preaching here today as part of our Proverbs series. And as Maddie comes up, I'm just going to pray for her. And uh, we're going to hear God's word preached to us today. Dear Jesus, I just thank you for Maddie and ask that your Holy Spirit would fill her now as she shares with us the word you've given to her. May we have hearts that are open to hear from you and uh, wills that are willing to follow you as you call us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here today. Like Tom said, my name is Maddie McBlain, and I've had the great experience of growing up in this church. Over about the past year and a half, Tom and I have been regularly getting together for coffee, and he's been an amazing mentor for me, encouraging me and supporting me as I navigate life. Tom asked me if I'd be interested in sharing during our summer series in Proverbs, and the opportunity to speak today is such a privilege. Now, for those of you who know me, you might know that I am a planner, whether it's a course schedule for school, a list of books I want to read, or just my plans for the weekend. I like to know what I'm doing and when I'm doing it. I'm notorious for making plans way too far into the future and for being slightly inflexible when certain plans don't pan out the way I'd hoped. (laughs) And during the school year, a lot of the planning I did had to do with my courses. I would make assignment schedules and study schedules and things like that. But as the school year drew to a close and summer was approaching, I took up a new kind of planning. I decided to make a list of all the things I wanted to do this summer. You know, it's easy to say you want to tie-dye t-shirts or take up stargazing, but never actually make it happen. So I figured that by writing down everything I wanted to do this summer as I thought of them, I would, you know, it would increase the number of things I actually did. So I took a new notebook and I wrote Summer Projects 2015 at the top of the page. And I've got the notebook with me today, so I'll just read you a couple examples. These are just a few of them. Uh, On here I have Hike Bouncing Rock Trail, Drive Up Mount Thompson, Go to the library. Lots. Go kayaking. Go camping. Pick huckleberries. Of course, all of this was going to happen sometime after June 29th, which was the date of my driver's exam. Because in order to do a lot of stuff on this list, I had to be able to drive. You know, after I got my license, I was free to do all the hiking and camping and library browsing I wanted. And so I added get driver's license to my list, And for the next 10 days before my driver's test, my dad and I practiced driving for about an hour and a half every single night. Thanks again, Dad. And just so you all know, my dad had all of his hair before I started learning to drive. (laughs) Well, I think I can say now that I was pretty well practiced for my test. I mean, I felt pretty confident. And although I was definitely nervous, I was more focused on the fact that after I had the test over and done with, my summer plans could officially begin. And for most of the exam, I did all right. I mean, once I started driving, I even managed to relax a little. But unfortunately, near the end of the test, I didn't check twice before turning at a stop sign, and I pulled out in front of a truck that was headed my way. And now I knew when the test conductor yelled, whoa, and he put up his hand to protect himself from the oncoming traffic that I had failed my test. And so for those of you who know me, you know that I'm the kind of person 
who likes to do really well in my exams. And so my pride definitely took a hit. But not only had I just failed my driver's test, I had also failed to complete the one item on this list that most of my summer plans were dependent upon. I mean, at least most of the items that I had written down required me to be able to drive. But on the bright side, failing my test definitely made me more aware of my own dependence on plans, as well as the consequences of that dependence. Today we come near the end of our summer series on living the proverbial good life. And over the past couple of months, we've been exploring a number of different themes present throughout the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is filled with practical advice that is relevant and applicable to everyday life. It teaches us to watch our words, to work hard, to stay faithful, to act with integrity. And so when Tom asked me if I'd be willing to speak on a theme in Proverbs, my mind instantly went to another idea that is very prominent throughout the book, making good plans. And I've always wrestled with the concept of making good plans. I mean, I know I'm supposed to trust God with every area of my life, but does that mean I shouldn't plan anything and just leave it in his hands completely? Is it unwise to just throw caution to the wind, or is completely letting go of my plans the only way to express my trust in God? And so I've often struggled with finding the balance between making my own plans and trusting God's plan. And Proverbs has taught me a ton about planning in a way that honors God. And I'm so excited to share what I've learned with you. And the book of Proverbs is all about choices. And that's probably what makes it such a useful tool to help us apply God's word to our everyday lives. After all, we make choices every day. Choices about what we say, who we spend time with, how we work, what we spend our money on, and everything in between. And whether Proverbs is talking about marriage, work, or family, the writer continuously urges us to reject the path of the foolish and turn towards the path of the wise. And just like there's a a wise way to speak and a foolish way to speak, and a wise way to work and a foolish way to work, there's also both a wise and a foolish way to plan. Proverbs is packed with wisdom about planning. In fact, when I read through the book at the beginning of this series, I found over 25 Proverbs about planning. As I read through these 25 Proverbs, five heart attitudes emerged, which are meant to help us plan wisely. So let's explore these five heart attitudes. The first heart attitude is an attitude of loving goodness. In other areas of our life, such as marriage or work or the way we speak, Proverbs constantly reminds us to take the good path instead of the bad one. Instead of being selfish, we're told to be generous. Instead of being lazy, we're told to be hardworking. Well, Proverbs offers the same instructions when it comes to making plans. Chapter 4, verses 14 to 15 says, Do not set foot on the path of the wicked, or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it, do not travel on it, turn from it, and go on your way. Now, this might seem obvious or redundant, but the writer of Proverbs doesn't hesitate to emphasize the importance of rejecting the path of evil. Because sometimes... It's easy to justify our plans or actions, even if we really know they're not exactly in line with the right path. And other times, it is genuinely difficult to distinguish between the right path and the wrong one. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. So this is a warning not only to be on guard against the obvious evils of the world, but also to be aware that sometimes we aren't instantly going to know right from wrong. And so we should ask ourselves, will this plan bring goodness into my own life and goodness into the lives of the people around me? 
Is this plan going to encourage God's good will for my life or hinder it? Not everything is black and white. And using discretion to choose the path that is right could be called the most important part of making good plans. So the first heart attitude is an attitude of loving goodness. And the second heart attitude is humility. A few weeks ago, we dug into what Proverbs has to say about being humble. And we found that the book is chock full of wisdom regarding humility. But it turns out, Proverbs has something to say about having humility, particularly when it comes to making plans. Chapter 27, verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. And planning humbly means holding our plans lightly, knowing that they could change at any time. Planning with arrogance or overconfidence leads to disappointment. But when we acknowledge that God is the only one who knows what's best for us, that God is in control, our plans can be shaped to fit his perfect will for our lives. Proverbs 15.33 says, Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. If wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, then it's impossible to make wise plans or to plan wisely without approaching them in humility. And it's so easy to get wrapped up in a plan of our own making, especially when we're convinced we believe, or when we believe it's in line with what God wants. But even the best laid plans are nothing if made with arrogance or pride. So personally, this is where I find I have to stop and reevaluate my plans. Because when I think my plans fulfill the first attitude, when I think, when I think my plans are good, I often run with them from there. It's all too easy to forget humility when I'm convinced I know what's right. But when it comes to making plans, I'm not always going to know what's right. In fact, I'm usually not going to know. And that's why even when I'm absolutely convinced I've chosen the right path or made the right decision or planned something really, really good, I have to remind myself to take a huge step back and approach my plans again with complete humility. The third heart attitude I noticed is submission. In fact, most of the Proverbs related to planning mention the importance of submitting or committing our plans to God. Now, if you don't like the word submission, welcome to the club. I don't think I'm the only one who likes to believe that I have full control over my life. And like I said earlier, I like to know what I'm doing and when I'm doing it. And handing over control, whether it's to other people or to God, isn't something I'm good at. And submission is never easy, but it's something that Proverbs repeatedly emphasizes. The good news is that we don't just have to blindly submit our plans to God and hope he takes care of us. Along with submission comes trust. And Proverbs is clear in telling us that when we submit, we can fully and completely trust God with our plans. Chapter 16, verse 3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The message puts it this way. Put God in charge of your work, then what you've planned will take place. We can trust God to fulfill his good plans in our life. But we have to first submit our plans to him, or in other words, put God in charge. Submission isn't an act of defeat or of giving up. It's an act of trust. We can be joyful in our submission because we are submitting to a God who knows all and loves us more than we could ever imagine. Proverbs 23, verse 18, tells us that there is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. Unfortunately, submission isn't something today's society promotes. We are constantly told that we need to take charge of our life and that we should be in full control of what happens. And the media sends us messages that make us think we can't have a good life unless we are in control or unless we are in charge. But that's a lie. 
the way to the good life is the exact opposite. It's through submitting our lives to God that we will succeed, not by any other means. And like it or not, submission is vital. If we can bring ourselves to truly trust God's plan for our lives, then we won't have a problem submitting our plans to him. As Proverbs 21:31 in the message says, Do your best, prepare for the worst, then trust God to bring victory. Now this doesn't mean that our plans don't matter, or that we don't have the free will to make our own plans. It means that we can put our trust in God's perfect will. And God will fulfill his purpose in us. What we do and how we plan matters a ton. But we don't carry everything on our own shoulders. Submission goes hand in hand with humility. And both of these attitudes are a direct expression of our trust in God. The next heart attitude of a good planner is an openness to counsel. Last week, Tom guided us through what the Proverbs has to say about getting good advice or seeking wise counsel. And we explored a number of different reasons people resist advice. But whether we resist or embrace advice from others, it's a vital part of making good plans. Proverbs 11.14 tells us that without wise leadership, a nation falls. And there is safety in having many advisors. And this doesn't mean that you have to act on whatever advice anyone throws your way. I mean, we have to use our discretion when choosing who we take our advice from. But coming from someone who cares about you and has demonstrated wisdom in his or her own decisions, guidance is crucial. And it takes a lot of humility to be open to someone else's opinion, especially when you don't necessarily agree with it. But having someone speak truth into your life, whether that truth is wanted or not, can bring to light things you might not have considered. And when I'm making plans, I find it so easy to get caught up in my own ideas that there are often things I overlook or forget about or don't take into consideration. And a second opinion from someone I trust is so valuable and has many times been the difference between a good plan and a really bad one. The last heart attitude that I noticed was caution. Chapter 21, verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. We live in a world that is always in a hurry. And it's easy to believe that we simply don't have time to stop and think before making plans. But haste does often lead to poverty, and hurrying to make a decision or to form a plan many times results in mistakes. Patience plays a huge role in living out an attitude of caution. If you're like me, patience doesn't come easily. It can be really difficult to make yourself sleep on a decision or take an extra day to think about it, especially when you're sure it's the right one. But taking the time to pray about it or to ask for a second opinion can be a game changer. Or maybe you find yourself rushing ahead with plans because you know if you stop and think about it for too long, you'll think better of it. Well, Proverbs 27:12 says, The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. This is meant as a warning. If you see trouble ahead, turn around and run. When you're making plans, turning a blind eye, to potential problems or consequences or dangers can prove to be disastrous. By ignoring or pretending not to notice the possible consequences of your actions, you aren't fooling anyone but yourself. So how do we apply these five heart attitudes to our lives right now? We know that Proverbs instructs us to have an attitude of loving goodness, of humility, submission, openness to advice, and caution, but how do we actually put these attitudes into practice? After reading 
and thinking on what Proverbs has to say about planning, I've come up with five practical steps to help us make good plans, and I've arranged them around the word plans to hopefully make them easier to remember. The first step, and the P in the acronym, is to pray your plans. And seeing what God has to say is the single most important part of planning. So before you even take one single step towards action, take time to talk your plans through with God. And maybe this seems obvious, especially if you're planning to do something you know, you would assume God wants you to do. But assumption can be dangerous, so simply asking for God's guidance is the best way to make sure that your plans are in line with God's plans. It's an easy step to miss, and it can be hard to make yourself stop and pray before running with an idea. Sometimes we get in too deep before remembering that no matter how great we may think our plan is, God's plan is always greater, and asking for his direction should be our number one priority. After we've prayed our plans, the next step I have is leave God in control. Now, maybe this isn't so much a step, but something we have to constantly remind ourselves to do. I find myself guilty of trying to take back control, even after I claim to have handed it over to God. I mean, often if my plans aren't turning out like I thought, or maybe not like I hoped, I tend to think, hey God, I thought we talked about this and we were on the same page. The reality is, just because something wasn't in line with God's plan at one time, doesn't mean it always will be. God doesn't change, but sometimes the way he works in our lives will. So we need to be willing to not only give God control in the first place, but let him stay in control. It's tempting to try and take things back into your own hands when you find God's working in a way that's maybe unexpected or uncomfortable. But I've realized that unless you leave God in control, putting him in control in the first place is useless. Next we come to the A. Proverbs taught me to act in the fear of God, not in fear of the future. When the future is uncertain, it's so easy to become fearful of what lies ahead, instead of fearing the God who is watching over us. A few weeks ago, Tom and I were talking about what it means to fear God, and he explained it to me like this. When it comes to fearing God, fear is a combination of love and respect. So in order to fear God, or to live in the fear of God, We need to love God, and we need to respect God. We don't need to be anxious or afraid or scared about what's ahead. This fear isn't the kind of fear that makes us anxious about the future. It's the kind of fear that allows us, or at least it should allow us, to be confident about the future. It's not the kind of fear that should instill apprehension. It's the kind of fear that should instill confidence, because our God is bigger than absolutely anything life will throw at us. And some of us struggle with fear more than others. Maybe you're anxious about your finances or worried about your kids or stressed that you won't be able to make the right choice or make the right decision. So if that's you today, I hope that you can be encouraged by what the Proverbs tell us. That by acting in the fear of God, we can push away absolutely any fear of the future. And the fourth step is something I've talked briefly about already, but... I think it's one of the simplest ways we can improve the way we plan. The N stands for never rush. Now, this goes hand in hand with having a cautious attitude. Naturally, if you're cautious in your planning, it's unlikely you're going to rush rush into anything. But I think that making a conscious effort to stop and think before we plan or to slow down our plans will save us a headache in the future. Now, I know you've probably heard the cliche, just sleep on it a million times. From my limited experience, it's actually really great advice. 
Often we do just need a good night's sleep to affirm or deny our plans. We might wake up feeling so relieved we didn't take that job or buy that car. We also might wake up feeling confident that we should go ahead with our plans. And don't get me wrong, planning usually takes more than just a good night's sleep. In fact, it usually takes several. But for the less patient folks such as myself, this can be surprisingly challenging. But it's absolutely essential to making good plans. Now, the final step and the S in the acronym is to seek wise advice. And Tom's message last week was entirely on getting good advice. So if you weren't here, I suggest you go online and listen to it. And last week, Tom challenged us to identify an area of our life where we needed some good advice. And then to go out and ask for that advice from someone we trust. And Proverbs has some great stuff to say about the importance of seeking wise advice. And when it comes to making plans, we need all the advice we can get. So I challenge you to make asking for advice a habit instead of just a one-time thing. I mean, next time you find yourself struggling to make a decision or at a crossroads, seek some wise advice. It could make all the difference. Now, what is it for you? What plans are you making? Maybe you're trying to decide whether or not to volunteer in children's ministry this fall, or maybe you're trying to figure out a better way to manage your money. You could be trying to decide if you should take that job or not, or buy that house or not. Maybe you're trying to make a big decision about a career path or a relationship. And today I want to suggest that you look at the five steps up on the screen, pray your plans, leave God in control, act in the fear of God, never rush, seek wise advice. Try, look at those five steps and try and identify one, or maybe more than, more than one, that you find difficult. And for me, leaving God in control is without a doubt the most challenging. But maybe you struggle with seeking advice, or talking to God about your plans, or not rushing into decisions. But whatever it is for you, I want to, I want to invite you to identify that area and to intentionally act on it. And taking these five steps into account, I think that the advice Proverbs offers when it comes to making good plans can be summarized in Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6. And this is the verse printed on your cards today, so if you didn't pick one up, they are at the back. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Now, I encourage you to memorize this verse, or even just stick it up in your mirror or your fridge. My hope is that it will serve as a constant reminder to hand our plans and decisions over to God. Now, some of you might be wondering how my summer plans actually turned out. So, for those of you who are curious, about a month ago, I retook my driver's test. Unfortunately, I didn't have any near collisions, so I passed. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> But I am still a planner, and Proverbs has been so helpful in teaching me what it means to plan in a way that honors God. And God bless you all as you enter into this next week. Let's pray. Dear God, we acknowledge that you are the only perfect planner, and that you're the only one who knows exactly what you have in store for us. We thank you for being a God who loves us, a God who we can trust, a God who cares for our each and every need, And I pray that as we enter into the week ahead of us, you'll enable us to make good plans. Help us submit our plans and help us commit our plans to you. In Jesus' name, amen.